Say It Skillfully is about being who you really are and saying what you think needs to be said, even at work. Whether you're part of a small project team or leading a giant company, the more you accept that you're part of the problem, the faster you can be part of the solution. Join Molly Chang today as together we break the silence and learn how to be happier, healthier, and more productive at work and in life. Hello, Molly here. Welcome to Say It Skillfully, helping you find the words to create shared reality in a way that's true to yourself. We're in the big holiday season at the wrap of the year, which can be a time of great emotions, both highs and lows. For those in a, in a specially bright place, that's wonderful, and encourage you to send positive thoughts and prayers to those who could use a little lift. And my heart is out to those experiencing tough times, perhaps the loss of a loved one. If you're feeling heaviness, know that it will pass. Do your best to connect with those who bring a smile to your face. Take time to think about all that you are blessed with. May that be your own health, running water, or a blue sky and a gentle breeze. I do have a funny story. About 35 minutes ago, and I'm upstate at my folks' house, the local electric company came by and said, oh, we're shutting off all the electricity for the next two hours, to which my eyes popped out of my head and said, I have a show that's being heard in 130 countries around the world. We can't not have electricity. So I am very grateful that they, after great consideration, were willing to go to another pole in another neighborhood and take that one down and then come back and take our electricity out. Um, Okay, and I am very grateful for my callers today. Super happy to welcome Alicia, who's in Atlanta, to the show. Alicia, thank you for joining me on Say It Skillfully. Hello. Thank you, Molly, for having me on the show. So I am keen to hear what's on your mind. Well, thank you for the time. Um, I'll just jump right in it. You know, right now in the, the business climate that we're in, there have been many mergers and there's a lot of transitioning going on. And so the first question that I have for you today, I have one of two right now, is, you know, how in our company can we perhaps uh, deal with transition with best practice or what advice or guideposts could you, you know, advise for those of your listeners as well as myself that um, is dealing with, you know, new owners or perhaps has a new boss or you're working with a new team? How could you help us transition in 2022? Ooh, juicy one. I love it. I love it. You know, I have a long history of merger and acquisition work and I consider it a I great do. privilege. Yeah, it was super fun time in my life. And I appreciate you bringing it up. And first of all, congratulations, because it is an exciting time with opportunity. And as you mentioned, um, it's also a lot of change for folks. So um, I guess I would first offer the, there's kind of the job part, you know, there's people tend to focus on the task and doing um, the work. And that's obviously very important. It's a time to really lean into the personal connection um, and first starting with oneself. And so if you think about it, just literally your own attitude, do you think of this as a good or a bad? Are you judging it? it which is fine to, 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 to judge it, but just to be aware um, of your own state. Because to the extent that you, Alicia, are really grounded, whether it's for your boss or for your own team, it really creates stability for an organization. So I, I want to help everyone realize that whether you are you know, an individual contributor or whether you have a big team, your own how you show up really says a lot and can bring great comfort to people. So I just want to pause there. Is that landing for you? Absolutely. I'm a strong advocate for the energy that you bring into the room is the energy that everyone receives. And so... Um, it's important to be intentional with, you know, what it is that you bring into the environment. And so yeah. I know that change is really hard for a lot of people. And, you know, for those of us that are in leadership positions, you know, what guideposts would you suggest that help others be open to change, right? Yeah, because as yeah, we yeah. allow ourselves to become more open to change, it's much easier to adhere to change. Yeah, well, I love, I can feel how you are, are upbeat about it, Alicia. So that's a big thing. So I think opening up and giving people a chance 
to, to voice what, how they feel about it, what they think about it, what questions they have. And I think for those in leadership positions, the privilege you have is you have more information <laughs> and it can be easy to take for granted that everybody doesn't know what Alicia knows. And I think the ability to be very structured about the information you're sharing and having people understand how you're going to keep the team abreast, just kind of how do we hang together here and acknowledging, hey, it is change. You can ask people, hey, how do we feel about change? And people, some people, I have an activity where I show, um, it's actually a picture of a sun over the horizon. And I ask, is it a sunset uh, or is it a sunrise? And, you know, it's interesting how people think of it. And when you think about going over the edge, sunset, does that, is that scary? Is that positive? Some people are like, well, it's like a roller coaster. It's super positive. And so to be able to help people talk about how they deal with change for some people, and I sense it in you, it's pretty game on. You can roll with it. That's great. Other folks, it really is very, very uh, disorienting, destabilizing, and it creates a lot of fear. We don't want to make anyone bad or wrong for it, but the ability for people to be able to be open and honest about how they feel about it, and then to be able to say, hey, what do we need to do to help each other through the change is a way to co-create and have everyone feel like they're part of the journey. And then we haven't even talked about like the what is happening, but I think if you create that sense of connected tissue and that people feel like we're in it together and that it's safe, Alicia's created the state. If I don't understand, if it's not feeling right, I can voice it. That is a really great foundation and, and really anybody can do that. So let me pause there. Is that making sense? Yeah, I love creating room or saving space for people to feel heard. And so it's great to hear that validation from you, Molly. And, yeah. um, you know, truly being an active listener is, is probably one of the greatest takeaways that I'm, I'm going to have from this conversation. And so <laughs> I just really appreciate that. Yeah, well, I'm, I'm appreciating how you're soaking it up. I love it. So um, from the work standpoint, so I think part of this is the new information that's coming in. And if you don't tell people, they will make it up. That's generally the rule, right? And so the chances mm-hmm. of people making up the information correctly are not high. So I think right. the ability to be very intentional about what you've shared, when we don't know information, sharing that we don't know and a date for a date, also super effective. So again, you may not make that date, but saying, hey, we know this is top of mind for people. Uh, I've, I've been, I hear you. We brought the questions back to the new owners. We'll come back to you. Just that back and forth creates the comfort and the trust, even though you don't have all the answers. Lots of times leaders will sort of hold back. We don't really know the answer, so we won't say anything, which I would right. offer, right, creates uncertainty for people. And because people are feeling not so secure, they will tend to kind of spin a little. And that's the last thing you want because they're not working on the work at hand, which gets to the next part, which I think as a team is doubling down on, let's control what we control. And if you want to create an aspiration for the team, saying, look, we want to make this transition and just be at the top of the heap here in our collaboration, set a, a goal, you know, what do we think? And then how can you help the whole team feel like, you know, t- together we're better and we can really help because they want you to look great, right? All the bosses want their, or the workers want the bosses to look great. So it gives everyone a chance to be a hero, I guess I might say. How's that? I want my team to look great. I want all of our team to look great, the entire company. And transitioning is just that platform to be able to, you know, to rise above and to show exactly what you're, what you're made out of. And so, um, you're right. I do see transitions as opportunities, and I, I take that approach with the team. But change is change. And so I, I just really appreciate the moments to get a few words of wisdom that have been successful in your own personal journey uh, to apply here at yes. our company. So yeah, it's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Uh, you mentioned you had a second question, Alicia. Yeah, you know, it it really is just about what best practices that you have seen um, that really help people deal with change. Like if there are are three guideposts or a few cornerstones, you know, uh, for better decisions while dealing with change, what would you say those guideposts would be? That's a great one. I I think of change as something pretty constant for me. So I would say, 
um, in particular in a merger or acquisition sort of situation to the extent that there are um, new teammates. I don't know if it's a merger Mm -hmm. or or, or if it's an intact team or new resources. I think the Mm -hmm. ability to think about co-creating you know, we used to merge companies in, and even if it was a much bigger company with a smaller acquisition, no one wants to be bored, okay? It is just not a fun feeling. And so the ability to, to, to honor that each entity on its own is succeeding, but what are the bright spots from each to be able to bring them together and to, to combine and make it better? And, and that is something that takes a teamwork. And so when we had Tiger teams, if there are transition projects, making sure that the leadership of those projects was representative of both sides. I think it was just a, a key takeaway. And that ability, as you mentioned, to listen, it's obviously we're doing things the way we're doing them because we think it's the best and right way. <laughs> Hello, right? And so remember that that extra push to say, let's just imagine that what we're doing isn't the best. Let's imagine, so creating the possibility that it could be better and really helping reinforce how questions, how mistakes are all learning moments. And I can't overstate that because there's people will feel like we can't make a misstep. We need to be perfect. No, we don't need to be perfect. We need to continue to push it. We are going to make mistakes. And as long as we're making new ones and we're learning from the old ones and making new ones, that's a win. And I know that that is, I know the leaders I work with all want to embrace mistakes as learning moments. However, sometimes in the response to when things aren't going well, it doesn't create that safety, right? So that ability to say, look, I may not be happy about the mistake. I'm not saying leaders should be overjoyous, but just saying, hey, I know ideally we wouldn't have made it, but we made it. And I want to honor that we're owning it. I hear what we're learning from it. I see what we're doing to make sure we don't um, repeat it and move on. And the leaders who can create that as a a way of working, I think will create the safety for their their folks to push it, um, make the right kinds of mistakes and be better for it. That's fantastic insight. Um, I think, you know, in any time where you're working with new people or you have a a new boss or um, you're even working with a whole new group, it's important to allow that room for, you know, learning curve. And so whether it's, you know, it's a mistake or it's a misstep or, you know, it's just understanding of, you know, the, the work dynamics with a new group, um, saving and holding that space to be able to, to cultivate how we can move forward together and create that ideal tiger team um, is something that I'm really taking away from this conversation. So thank you, Molly. That's great. Let me just ask you, are you, is there anything you're concerned about? Like how do you feel about this next, this period ahead? Oh, I'm incredibly excited about it. Yeah. That's what, that's what it sounds like to me. And I think that that, um, that is something that you have a, a natural gift at, and I would not uh, underestimate, Alicia, the power that you have um, to show up that way uh, and encourage people uh, to be the same. I'm wondering, do you feel on your team that most people share that level of, you know, kind of um, optimism, if, even if it might be a little bit of a nervous optimism? Well, you know, there there is a lot of optimism on the team. Uh, we have a few new members on the team, and so that has been, you know, the narration for them. Um, but then we also have some more seasoned individuals that have gone through mergers previously and had, you know, a, a different experience. And so they're bringing in what I would call, you know, that that baggage of that past experience, and it, it brings hesitation. And so just riding the the change wave, as I like to say, um, together and realizing that each, you know, moment is just another moment in that journey. And we can't predict what tomorrow holds, but we can deal with what's in front of us right now and um, staying on the side of that person in that journey, I think, brings somewhat of some peace and some, some calmness. And so I'm being intentional about that. Um, however, if you have a better practice, I would love to hear the insights since you've been through mergers. 
Yeah. So I think this is a great thing when, when you know people have some of what we might call baggage, you might label it. And you, you might mm-hmm. just ask folks um, to share and you can do it one-on-one first to make sure they're happy, but mm-hmm. doing so in the group, you know, what was it like and why, why didn't it work and just have them, you know, the bad news, lots of times people feel like they can't share the bad news and you have to be yeah. able to share the bad news because that is part of their reality. So once they bubble it up and say, okay, we see how this happened. We could also see how any one of us might be feel a little scarred having endured that perhaps. And then what do we, what can we do to ensure that that outcome didn't happen? And, you know, how is this different? And then sometimes it is a bit of an act of faith for someone to say, look, we understand that there's some pain. There may be some, you know, trauma even associated with this. Put your arm in the air, wave your right wrist and say, let it go. You got to let it go because it wouldn't be fair to hold back, you know, the new owners and what they're trying to do because we are thinking about the past. And that is a leadership opportunity to help people let go of what doesn't serve them. You may have that fear, but we understand it and it doesn't help you be your best self. So can you let that go? Exhale the fear out, inhale the sense of um, positivity of can do and let it rip. Right. And I think ensuring the transparency of that is important because otherwise people don't feel like, you know, if it's not all positive and Alicia's so positive and awesome, everything has to be positive. You're like, no, you're not asking yeah. people. Toxic right? positivity. Yeah. Right. So I think that is yeah. something to be aware of and to be real. And then to the extent that there are things that you are uncertain of or it's not, you know, um, a known entity for you, that's great. The people love real leaders. And so, you know, that's that play you've heard me probably say before, there's this authenticity piece where, you know, you being you looks different than me being me. And you've got to find that in your own self. And that's the the great journey of um, being you. Absolutely. Absolutely. So listen, I know you have a lot of work to do to make this merger happen. Uh, Before we wrap, do you have one particular top takeaway, Alicia? Oh, Molly, I feel like you told me so many great things, Um, but don't hold back, you know, based upon past experiences, because it's just going to hold back your potential for the future. So I really appreciate the time today, Molly. Thank you so much. Thank you. You are a jewel. I appreciate you for being part of the solution. And you know how to reach me. If I can uh, be of any help in the the future, you let me know. You take good care, Alicia. Thank you. Happy holidays, Molly. Same to you. Oh, what a bright light. I love it. Okay, next we are heading uh, up the coast all the way to Connecticut, and we have Stephen on the line. Stephen, welcome to Say It's Skillfully. Hi, Molly. Nice to be here. Uh, I appreciate you calling in, and I hope your holidays are going well. They are. Excellent. It's the best Excellent. time of the year. I love it. I love it. So, Stephen, I'm really curious what conversation or situation is on your mind. Okay. So, I am an elected official in a small town in Connecticut, and um, I, you know, I, I'm constantly being asked uh, questions about different topics, policies, um, events, and so forth. Um, and I was advised by a good friend not to be dismissive. And that rang true because that is my tendency. Because, um, you know, you had a, a recent podcast, you know, how to avoid being the smartest person in the room syndrome. And um, I had been working on that for many years to get away from that. But I also find that I don't have a whole lot of patience um, for when people ask questions when you know, I have all the facts and they probably aren't privy to them. So I'm looking for some guidance in how to respond to them uh, healthfully and um, without appearing to be impatient or um, that I find the question tedious, which they sometimes are. <laughs> so my, my, my simple question is how can I respond thoughtfully to people uh, without sounding dismissive? Yeah. Uh, thank you for this one. I have a cheeky smile on my face because I think this um, has been a tendency for me. So I really relate to it. And 
I appreciate first and foremost the awareness and your friend for for mentioning it and, and how you're taking it in a positive way, Stephen. So that's not to be taken for granted because I think a lot of people would be on the more defensive side and that obviously doesn't serve you. So kudos there. Right. Um, and kudos, yes, yeah, for being I've, I've elected there, official. That does not work. Uh, being <laughs> defensive doesn't get you anywhere unless you want to stay the same, right? Yes. So I appreciate the openness. And I do want to say thanks for, for serving as an elected official because um, we need people who are conscientious and thoughtful and open in those roles um, to help our, uh, our local governments work. Uh, so I think the first thing is always is starting with oneself. And I've heard, you know, um, tedious. I've heard, you know, those are experiences for you of what this person might be saying. I get it. Um, I think the opportunity, and, and this is a daily thing, is that when you are, when you have the privilege to be elected, you have the privilege to serve, it is about the others. And um, it's, it's it, you know, life is all about us, right? So how does it feel for me? And I think this is an opportunity to, to exhale, okay, I might, I might want to judge this. This might seem like not worth my time. This person doesn't get everything. So those could be all factual things, but they're not helping you show up in a way that might be the leader you want to be. Um, so a few, a question to yourself might be, if people were interacting with you, Stephen, what's one, two, maybe even three words? What, how would you want them to feel? How would you want them to feel? consider you as they're interacting with you a few words what what might those be okay i'm just i'm I'm taking those so how would how should they feel and how do they how do they react to me Um, those are excellent questions and that gives me a a lot of perspective um right because Maya angelo said we we forget what people say we forget what they do but we never forget how they made us feel so really my goal should be to make them feel like their question was valid and important and worthy of my time, right? Um, so I'm gonna back. I'm gonna back up. I'm gonna back up. So that yep. is Maya. We love Maya. So I'm gonna slow down a little bit. So I think part of this is there's an intellectual part. Like, well, I want I want them to feel, but we authentically want you to show up, not like you a head fake. Well, I think it's really tedious, but they think it's really they think I'm really caring about them, right? So that's that's right. not it's not you know, that's not an authentic place to be. You can do it. Okay, but it's not an authentic place to be. And so it it makes it harder. And so the work is I want to, and I'll just throw this out there. I want to come out. um, I want people to feel that I am caring. I want people to feel like um, I'm going to do the right thing. Um, I'm going to, I want people to feel like they were heard, something basic, but, you know, a word or two that, well, he was thoughtful, um, he was open. And it doesn't have to be rocket science words, right? But something that that you you would feel proud of that the elected official of of your town, you know, this was the brand that you had. Okay, so uh, to answer you simply, I would like them to, and this is sincere, uh, that I'm there to serve, right? I'm not there uh, for myself. I'm there for them. Um and to represent, to the best of my ability, their values, right? That I'm great. I'm a representative of them. That's fantastic. So that's a really great thing. And that's, you know, I don't want to make it, uh, you know, apple pie, but that's really great, serving and saying, I want to feel like I'm representing the values of the community and I'm here to help you. So, right, if that's your overarching aim, then that drives the words you use, the energy you uh, come up with and how you deal with things that you, you know, might not want to deal with so that people do feel like you're in service. So part of it is in, the, in this kind of role, you're not always saying good news. It may be, you may be saying things people don't want to hear, but, but those are the things that are in best service to the community. So your ability to stay high, Stephen, is, is, is um, important for people to get that because at any one level, it's an individual coming up, right? So, Right. Let's just role play it, right? Someone comes up to you, and so right off the bat, you see a person. And so this is where, and this is kind of high on my priority about the judging, you might physically look, right? They're tall, they're short, they're older, they're articulate, they're not articulate. And 
this would be the Mother Teresa and you saying you look at that person for their heart and their soul and that they're caring enough to come to you. And I know that may seem crazy, but right. it's, we always were judging. Again, microseconds, look at this person, their shoes, their clothing, their whatever. And if you can just strip that down to hear someone who cared enough to come and talk to me, that I think helps you show the gratitude. Like, wow, I'm really grateful that you're here to share what you're thinking. Right. Boom. They haven't even said anything. But someone's like, wow, look at this. He's, he's, he's showing me he is respecting, he's valuing me. Yeah. And then you give them the floor. Now, I, I get this sometimes times. So you may say, I really want to hear what you have to say. I need you to know I only have five minutes, a couple minutes. So if you can keep it tight, that would really help me. Oh. Right? So if that's a that time thing fantastic. you might have. Yes. Right? Because like I'm sensing that you got a lot of that. So I, want, I really want to listen to you, but I only have a few minutes, right? So if we don't finish it, we'll have to come back to it. And so you, you put it on them to be concise, okay? Yep. And then if they're kind of going on, you do a, a little bit of oh, waving your hands. Hey, one thing, let's, I'm hearing a lot. I want to hear you. I'm having trouble tracking with you. Could you just summarize in a, in a couple lines for me? Okay, so this is a little bit of a back and forth. How's that? that I've heard that. Uh, no, that sounds fantastic. Um, this reminds me of what I've heard that works for me is you know, uh, explain it to me like I'm five years old, right? Just so sort of super simplify it. I worry though that I might come across as condescending when really I just sometimes I don't understand the questions because it's so convoluted and exhaustive that I really don't, you know, I've, I've, I've lost track of what their point is. Um, do you know what I mean? Love um, it. This I love. So this, let's stay right there. Okay. Being authentic. Okay. Uh, uh, I really, let's just call her uh, Alice. I so want to track with you, Alice. It's on me. Do you own it? It's on me. I'm a little lost. Okay. I've had a lot going on today. I'm a little lost. Do me a favor, please. Can you, Restate that in one or two lines. I really want to understand you. Oh, I, that's I, I really want to understand. Um, that that one resonates with me because that's the truth, right? I just I want to know. I want to understand what you're trying to say. And um, you know, I, I get people get nervous, right? They're they're sort of it's their one moment, I guess, right, to have my time, and they sort of get tongue tied. But this would give them a chance to pause and to sort of speak with clarity about what it really is that they're getting at. But I really want to understand, I think it's a great tactic that I can use because that's not condescending. That's showing them that I'm, you know, I'm sincerely interested, but I don't understand. Because really, my, I'm not dismissive. I'm like, I don't, you know, I, don't, I don't know what you're trying to say. And it comes across as dismissive the way I've been doing it. So that'll be very useful. Yeah, so part of this, the way we're doing it. So the words could be, I don't understand, but it's also how. Ah, and so you're light right. and your eyes are bright and you're smiling. Ah, I don't understand. And I really want to understand, right? And so I think that yeah. that, remember when you're, you're in a power position, right? So even though it's a serious topic, if you look super serious and you talk super, it, it becomes more intimidating, which is unlikely for them to feel like they can, they're like, oh my God, now I feel really even more intimidated because the scary man right. is asking me to restate my question and I don't even know what I'm trying to say, right? So, you know, I, I think this, I'll share this notion if you think about like, how can I help these people be their best selves, you know, which again is in service to people and that'll just help create right. this connection. And even if, you don't, you know, this may be a topic that you don't control or you can't do anything about. The interaction that you have with people, to Maya's point, it will be what they remember. And he's like, he, he's really tried to hear me and, you know, he wasn't understanding, but he said he didn't understand. And so, you know, I gave it another shot. But that experience of you, Stephen, is what they'll remember. And that becomes oh. a bit of your brand. Excellent point. Right. Because it's really the, the content may or may not be retained, but the interaction will be, um, which yes. is important, yeah. right? You want them to yeah. you know, maybe they'll yeah. collect their thoughts and come back later with a with a, a more clear question, but at least they feel like I'm approachable, which is important. Well, so here's a word that you said serve, represent values, and then maybe what the third word is you want to be really thought of as approachable, right? 
Yes, that's a big deal, by the way, because in my position, for some reason, people don't feel like they can even email me. And um, I wanted to change that. I'm like, we're here to represent you. And if you, if you're, if you feel intimidated to speak to me or anybody on my board, um, you know, that's, that's, that's limiting our, our, our power in town to do what's best for the people. We're sort of just, you know, operating inside a, a vacuum without that. Right. Yeah. Well, I have so a question. A do you, approachable. do you yeah. communicate through email to the town? How do the people reach out to you? Uh, we have uh, public meetings. Uh, we have a website that has the minutes from those meetings. We have we um, have a Zoom recording of them that's available on the web. Um, we don't really communicate outside of these board meetings, though, because um, the Freedom of Information Act uh, in Connecticut uh, is strict about what's okay and what's not okay. So people tend not to openly communicate. Like you can have private conversations, but anything like on social media is. Um, it's really a, 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 I don't know what the correct word is for, but a minefield. Um, you're leaving yourself ex- legally exposed by doing it. Um, and it's, it's complicated. And I've been to seminars to try to understand it, and I, it's, it's still complicated. Um, yeah. So it's really, uh, people can email us. We can email back on a limited basis. Um, and, you know, and when we have public meetings, it's, uh, public comment, but there's no response to their comment. Does that make sense? Yeah. It's kind yeah. of restrictive on how we, yeah. how we can communicate be, because it has yeah. to be all out in the public or for the, available yeah. to the public. Yeah. Yeah. I, th- I, I get that. And so the, maybe a simple thing is in the minutes, just say, you know, the, here are the officials and it may be a simple turn of, you know, we welcome your thoughts and inputs to help us all be better. And here's how to reach us. And, you know, we, we warmly welcome your thoughts. And then when people do reach yeah. out, it's always just great. You know, and I know you do this, but just to reinforce for listeners, saying thank you for taking the time. Um, and that's, you know, what we're trying to, um, to amp up here. And, and, you know, they're being part of the solution, if you will, and, and taking initiative. And you're, you're really grateful for that. And, um, you know, that, that you can feel good about that. I don't know that a lot of people feel that way about their local uh, elected officials. And so if you were to able to create that energy of, wow, they're approachable, they care, and they want to hear from us, that's a huge win, Stephen. <laughs> uh, yes. And I have a meeting Thursday where um, I can actually put that into motion to have that um, be the new standard because I do think it's important to let people know um, definitively we are approachable. Right, because it's—I don't think it's been on the record before. It's kind of assumed that they know, and you know, that's terrible. You know, I think <laughs> that, you know, coming from New York to Connecticut, where everybody's you know a salesperson, uh, to where you know, you know, our people know where to find us. Type of attitude. Um, not everybody knows how to find you, and I think you need to put up a road sign. So I think that you know, making a public notice of that, I think, is a good idea. To say, yeah, yeah, you know, this is how you contact us, right? Yeah, I mean, it sounds simple, but I love that you're leading into it, and I love the energy that you have. The other thing, and the, at the at the right point, that might be just with your other officials, but to create the setting whereby, look at, you know, this is relatively new to you, maybe some of the other folks is new to them, and to be able to say, hey, you know, what's one thing that I could do, um, as you've been seeing me in these meetings, that uh, could amp up how I'm able to serve the public and open up for folks feedback and you don't have to debate it. You don't have to necessarily do it, but you can say thanks, you know, for offering that suggestion. And that shows a, a spirit of one, your vulnerability, like, Oh, Steven's willing to be better and um, an openness. Um, and I think showing a leading from the front that, uh, you know, we may be elected officials up here, but we certainly all have rooms for growth. And if you lead that way, I think it's uh, it's really powerful. Uh, I love that idea. I'm writing this one down. Um, <laughs> I know I can come back and listen later, but uh, yeah, the, the idea of asking for input from the public because, you know, they may have ideas that haven't occurred to us. We don't know everything by any means. And sometimes we're so close to the problem that we don't see it for what yeah. it is and getting the input from the public, I think is a great idea. Um, yeah. I love that idea. Yeah. 
Yeah, I get your, I, I just, I think your instincts are great. And I think the being real and, and meeting people where they are, if you could just, you know, again, whether they're more or less educated, more or less experienced, you're coming in as equals in terms of people who want to help make your community better. And if people can feel like they're being spoken to without judgment um, and feeling heard, that is A++. So I think you're on a great track, Stephen. Um, you're a saint for joining me. I am curious. We talk about a lot. Is there a particular top takeaway you have from our chat? Uh I have a whole list that I wrote down, but the the top takeaway for me is to um, you know remember that what you just said that we're coming in as equals who want to improve the community, but to approach it from a, a stance of I really want to understand what you're what you're trying to say. So could you please simplify it for me? Because the reason I might be dismissive is because time is precious. But this is a nice way of saying that time is precious without rushing them, right? And giving them a chance to just take a breath, say what they really mean in a way that, you know, a five-year-old would understand. And then they feel like you're really listening, which you are. Because it's ultimately, I want to know what they, what they want to see improved so I can work on it. And that is a great way of doing it. So I think, I think that, that's the best takeaway from our conversation. I love it. Keep me posted on how it goes. I appreciate you being so open to trying new things and uh, encouraging your group to do the same. Stephen, I wish you a happy holiday. I thank you for being part of the solution and you take good care. Thank you very much for your time, Molly. Have a good night, holiday. Thanks. Bye, Stephen. (laughs) Oh, he's so great. Okay. We're going to the Big Apple and I am thrilled, let's see, to welcome Gary to the show. Gary, welcome to Say It Skillfully. Good morning, Molly. Thank you for taking my call today. Okay, I'm really wondering what is top of mind for you? Well, it, it's sort of um, a follow-through or a follow-up to your previous caller in a way. You know, as I listened to that conversation, it, it, it sort of pinged a lot of points that I'm sort of struggling with. And that's around this sort of intergenerational communications. You know, and I know in addition to this role, you're a very high-powered consultant. You do a lot of work with a lot of very large organizations. And I am in the workforce professionally now 30 years. And the way that I learn to communicate with my superiors is very, very different from the way young people coming into the workforce today communicate with their superiors, if you will. And, you know, it's not always constructive. Uh, I'm, I'm sensing a lot of sort of soft, if you will, or low-level tension or, or conflicts in communications. And I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, the work that you do, if this is a topic you're coming up, you know, to, to consult upon or being asked to opine on. And what are some of the observations? What are some of the constructive points that you're making to your clients in that regard? Oh, this is such a great topic. And how, what a coincidence, because I had a conversation with a friend who called me specifically on this topic, and I was going to roll through it. So this is a perfect dovetail. The, um, you know, I, I have heard people on both sides complain about the other side, you know, the, whether it's the millennial or whatever gen. Oh, sure, and, yeah. Right. And, um I, I understand that there may be those who uh, are feeling entitled and come across as entitled. I personally, Molly, have never had that happen to me. I'm not saying that it hasn't happened, but so I, I can't say that that's been someone I've had to deal with or to work through. Um, and for the most part, I would say I've had pretty spectacular bosses myself, although I have seen many examples of of not so spectacular. So I think this notion of, just exhaling and thinking, you know, we're all part of the problem here and we're all part of the solution is a really important thing because to be better together, everybody's got to own it. And I, and I think that's something that, that particularly senior leaders can model. Um, and I, I think sometimes the senior leader feels like, well, they don't want to, and maybe sometimes it's women or a particular group. I don't want to offend or I don't want to look the wrong way. And I think this is really creating a sensitivity that's not helpful 
because people aren't able to just put it out there. So I think the ability to tactfully share one's experience of something is something everyone um, can do because it's always valid to have your experience. You know, my experience of this is it feels a little entitled. And here's why it lands that way for me. Versus, wow, you're so entitled. I would never do that when I was your age, right? So I think there's a way to set up the experience of something and why one thinks that. Thinking of it as educating, okay? So mm-hmm. this friend called, right? And they, they had this, they said, I have to talk to you about this. And he has, he's a, and I've worked with him closely. So he has three kids in their 20s, all early in career. And he just said, look, it is a really challenging time for many young people. And, and so here, I think, is really a, ch- a chance to empower our new professionals in the workforce uh, in a way to really help all. And so one of his daughters had been moving to a different office, changed cities, never had never met her boss over the past couple of years, never met her boss. So I'm thinking, how could a boss not reach out to meet a new, a new employee. That's, that's sort of monumental to me, but it shows how distracted or um, th- that boss must have been. To this gal's credit, she reached out. It took a full week and a half to even get on the calendar with the first meeting of the boss. So, you know, that's not a great example of leading from the front. I understand that it's happening. I think for young people, if that's your experience, try not to overjudge it and make it wrong or bad. It's not ideal, obviously. Figure out what you can do. So the same daughter, you know, wasn't like a horrible relationship with the boss, but there wasn't one, but she did have one with the um, boss's boss, senior. And she said, look, at, I'm, I'm single, not home. You know, I, I, there's no one home with me. You know, like I want to be in the office. And she came forth with an idea that could help convince coworkers to all come into the office and make it a win. And this was a point where it was safer from a COVID standpoint. Boss's boss said, that's a fabulous idea. Run with it. Right. So here she showed leadership and then created a way to make it a better environment for her. On the flip side, this son that he has is in a production facility and has never not gone to work. And so the son is in aerospace manufacturing, was complaining to the dad. I can't believe I everyone else is home. I have to go to work. And then the, the, the dad was like, what? You would never have learned. Never in a million years learned what you've learned if you weren't actually at the plant, with the folks, side by side. And so I think that this real-time learning opportunity, Gary, is really at risk. I mean, think about it, you know, over your years, over mine, so much, you know, listening to people, observing them side by side, what worked, what didn't work, the, you know, the, the walking around and learning those quick kind of hits with someone out the toilet when people aren't at work, right? And so I think that helping people talk about that in a positive way so that people don't necessarily think that being home working, you know, by yourself is the nirvana, you know, there's some positives, but there's also a lot that can be lost. Right. So let me just pause there. I said a lot. What, what, how's that landing for you? Well, I've I've taken so many notes. It's uh, I'm, I'm, my, my hands are getting sore. There's so much, so many nuggets in there. Um, I also, you know, uh, I, I think there's also sort of a, um, what's the word here? Sort of a, a, a generational um, difference in in uh, just caution, right? I mean, I am so careful on what I would say in just an email because I know an email could be forwarded and reverberate around the world. And I think this younger generation is so comfortable with technology and so comfortable around social media and so comfortable around just putting it out there in the metaverse that, you know, you know, I come to a communications issue with a much different, perhaps more conservative mindset than a young person would, who is very used to having sort of this, you know, open architecture amongst their communications, which, you know, to, to me and to my generation and growing up in the, um, you know, defense contracting world, that's just, you know, almost crazy to think about. What are your thoughts on this whole, you know, young people being born in the era of social media and really embracing it? 
and yeah. bringing that sort of communication style into the profession, professional, excuse me, professional workplace. Yeah, I don't have a, I think it's so interwoven. It's hard to say we're not going to do, we are going to do. I think, I think of it as parents and as like bosses of, of folks. And I think it's just helping people appreciate that when things are posted in the internet, it is forever. Um, you know, you can go to parties, maybe you're a little wild in the party. If you want, you know, wild party photos of you circulating when you go to interview at a more buttoned up company, that's totally great if that's what you want. And I think sometimes just helping um, folks who haven't seen the whole, you know, gamut of that, appreciate that. It's, then it's their choice. Um, we used to call it the New York Times. Don't type it in email if you don't want it seen in the New York Times. So, you know, remember the days where people would trash people and then I was like, note to self, not a good idea. Not a good idea. So I think that it could be one's right. You're absolutely entitled to your right and you can put it out there. And then other people have the right to use what you wrote and however they want to use it. So I think that, Gary, that's a big education opportunity. I'm not here to to judge people for it, but I think for... You know, I, I had a friend whose daughter is very beautiful and she had some very beautiful photos on uh, social media. And I just said, you know, I'm not really sure that that's super awesome, you know, five or 10 years from now. And he agreed. He's, you know, so as a parent, that's a conversation, right? You have a choice. Um, I just would want you to have no regrets and just make sure that you are putting the best uh picture of yourself out there for the public because it is public and it is out of your control. And I think having those conversations in a heartful way um, to let people make a choice that they're going to be happy with. And, you know, when we're younger, we don't know what it's going to like to be older. And all you can do is, is hopefully show what that might look like and encourage a decision that you think serves them. That's great advice. I appreciate that. Thank you. Thank you very much. Um, final, final thought here is, you know, um, kind of around the the theme of, uh, you know, the most effective way to give feedback such that you're not lecturing. You know, you're not just saying, you know, you did it this way, I want you to do it that way. That's the way it's always done here. Uh, there could be a very valid reason why this person did it the other way. And, you know, you as a superior might want to invest the time and effort into finding out what their thinking on that was. How, how do you suggest uh, is the most, or, or what is the most effective way of soliciting sort of an, a loop of feedback, a give and take feedback loop, if you will? Yeah, I love this. This is so great. If you set this up in the beginning, you don't have these issues kind of down the track when you have to give tough um, feedback. So I do like the word feed forward, which is more of an aspiration and, and kudos to Marshall Goldsmith. Like, what would you love people to do? Nothing wrong with feedback and looking at something and dissecting it, but I think there's an aspiration of what people could be better. And if you think about it as a relationship of a, a boss to an employee, you know, you're there, the, the employer, the boss, to help them be their best. And their being their best means they're serving the organization to their best. And so just this aligning that I'm here to help you rock it, right? And when I, by in doing that, that means sometimes I'm going to share things that would be not what you have done and maybe it's not what you want to hear, but I'm going to do that in a way because I know you can um, learn from it and be even better, right? Are we good on that? And so when I think the, the employee realizes that all this input is for their benefit, then they're going to really soak it up. So I think if ideally, if you have that partnership, then when, a, and we have called the mentoring moments, oh, Susie, quick thing. On that call, I heard this. This might have been more effective. You good? Good. These can be moments then. They don't have to sit down. Let's go through and how everything went. So I think the thing is, if you haven't set up that kind of partnership, then it takes a little bit of, okay, one of the things I'm seeing, um, I'm not sure it's, it's, it's serving you or helping us do our best work. It's now a good time. I'm going to sit down with you and walk, work it through. So, you, know, you, you don't have to go through all of those motions if you set it up. Um, but, I, but I think it's this notion of feedback is just being a team, right? And both ways, right? Okay, here I am, your boss. What's one thing that I can do to help be more supportive of you? So you're showing the two-way mutual growth all the way. How's that? 
Wow. That's amazing. Thank you. I wrote all of that down. I hope I got most of it. If not, I will be uh, dialing in after the break. I want to thank you very much for taking time to chat with me and wish you and all your listeners a very happy holiday, Molly. Thank you so much. I appreciate you. You are part of the solution. I love it. You have a happy holiday, too. Take good care, Gary. Thank you. Bye-bye. I'm so smiley. Okay. My thought for the week from Allison Ars. It's okay to disappear until you feel like you again. And that is a wrap. Thank you for tuning in. Please be part of the solution and kindly share this show. Reflect on your top takeaways. And no, I'm cheering for you to be who you are and say what needs to be said so that you and those around you have a shared reality, essential to make the best decisions, execute with speed, and achieve outstanding outcomes at work and in life. Homelessness is a problem that's more costly to ignore than solve. The U.S. spends $12 billion a year responding, but resources alone aren't enough. I'd like you to know there are cities and counties proving what does work. Partnering with Community Solutions, a nonprofit I'm on the board of, more than 80 communities around the country are succeeding in ending homelessness, beginning with chronic and veteran homelessness. They convene local leaders around data and are changing how they work and spend their resources. So homelessness becomes rare. More than half have already reduced the number of people experiencing chronic and veteran homelessness with commitment to get to zero. What can you do? Visit www.built40.org and see whether your community is engaged. Contact your mayor and ask, do you know the number of people experiencing homelessness in real time? Do you know every homeless person by name? What are you doing to drive measurable reductions in homelessness? Please challenge the fiction that says homelessness is an intractable problem. Thanks for listening to Say It Skillfully with host Molly Chang. Join us again for more ways to say it skillfully next Tuesday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Follow Molly on LinkedIn and Twitter. Check out SayItSkillfully.com and sign up so you don't miss her latest 90-second video. And please, be part of the solution. Kindly tell others about this program so they say it skillfully too.